Matthew 25, verse 34. Everybody there? It says, And then, uh, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for, for you from the foundation of the world. For I was not hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. And I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or fed thee, and fed thee, and, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? And when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? And when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he also say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed unto everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. And then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of thee, the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. Father, touch me, touch these people, teach us and help us today to better do what you've called us to do. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We talk about church. If somebody says, I'm going to church, the first thing that will pop into our mind is the building. We have been so programmed to that, I'm going to go to the church and help out. I've got to run to the church and grab something. And I don't guess there's anything specifically wrong with that. I mean, we, that's, that's the term we use in, in modern uh, uh, English is that this is the church. But when you look at the word in the, in the Greek, it means so much more than that. Ecclesia, it's actually a particular, it's a meeting of a particular body of faithful people. It is a, Ecclesia, it is about personal relationship. It's about personal flesh and blood, not about brick and mortar. We have turned it into a brick and mortar thing, but it's actually a relational thing. It is a, also defined as the whole body of the faithful. We as a body, when we say the church, it is us. It is the body. And why is this important? Because it doesn't matter when and where. You remember in a, in a couple of weeks ago I was speaking about the, the lady at the well who came to Jesus and they were conversing. And you remember she was trying to bring it into brick and mortar. She was talking about when and where. And Jesus took her away from that and started talking about who and how. You remember that? She said, oh, you say that you should worship here, and your people say we should worship there. And Jesus said, forget all that. They that worship the Father, the who, must worship Him in spirit and in truth, the how. He took it to the important and left behind the irrelevant. It doesn't matter when you worship. It doesn't matter where you worship. It matters who you worship, and it matters how you worship Him. And those are the things that are so vitally important. 
this, the, the original church, the early church was, was considered just a body of believers. And they may have worshipped in a basement. It could have been out in the woods someplace. A lot of times that's where they met. They met in the woods. It could have been under a bridge someplace. It could have been anywhere. It didn't matter where. It mattered who they were worshipping and how they worshipped him. It was a time of learning. People came hungry. They wanted to know, give me the word. And, and sometimes in modern America, I, I, I get bothered because I think we get to the, 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 the fluff, especially in the big churches. They got the big orchestra going on, the big band. They've got drums, they got horns, they got guitars, they got everything going. They have a, a worship team and that, with lights and strobes and everything going on. And that becomes the thing that draws people. It becomes an entertainment thing. I talked to a young girl one time, and, and we were talking about church, and I said how much I enjoy just good preaching. And she said, oh, I don't care about that. I just want more music. we got to have more music. <laughs> and I'm like, we already have like 45 minutes, and it's getting longer all the time. And the sermons get shorter all the time because I want to fill in what feels good, what, what pumps them up. And so we have to... We have to realize that the most important thing that comes out in church is the word of the living God. That is the most important, and that's what we come for. It is a time of worship. And sometimes we replace worship with praise. Well, that's the same thing, preacher. Not necessarily. Worship is a deep-seated inner man a uh, situation where the inner man of you gets in touch with the spirit of Almighty God and connect. It doesn't, you don't have to cry, shout, dance, jump, swing, whatever. You don't have to do any of that. Or you might, I don't know, I don't care. What it is is when man connects with Almighty God. Praise is sometimes just the outward thing. Yeehaw, yippee, you know. That's fine, I guess. I'm not really that way. I don't really do that kind of thing. Uh, but they came for the purpose of worshiping. You know what's funny about the early church? They did it every day. Every day they came together in worship. It was a daily event. We have made it a weekly event, and then they want to argue about which day of the week to do it in. Well, the early church did it on Sunday. Well, the early church did it on Saturday. You know what? The early church did it every day. <laughs> it was an everyday event where they worshiped God. It was a daily lifestyle to them. Church wasn't something that you uh, came away from your schedule to do. Church was what you did and the rest of the schedule was secondary. Worship of God became, you know, was the primary thing. Everything else became the secondary thing. It was all about a relationship. It was all about, and, and I've, I've taught this a couple of years ago when I, when I did the history of the church. I talked about how the church was so relational until basically we got to Constantine. Constantine kind of brought the brick and mortar into the whole thing. He took the relationship, the relational thing out to the point that they made it illegal to worship in a home. They had to come to a brick and mortar. And that's where the mentality kind of changed from being relational to being institutional. And so <coughs> the church also has a calling. It has a job to do. We, we are mandated by God 
to do certain things. One of them is James chapter 1, verse 26. It says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but he deceiveth his own heart, and this man's religion is in vain. Then he goes on to say, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. There's a sermon right there. I love the way he starts out with, shut your mouth. And then he goes into the rest of it. There's a reason for that. Who's been in church at least 20 years? Anybody ever see major church problems because of that? Oh, boy. In fact... Every church problem is because of that. Virtually without exception. That's usually where the problem arises. Somebody says something and somebody gets offended. Then you have a church problem. Somebody is hurt because of something that was said. And he says, if you really want to be spiritual, if you really want to serve God, if you really want to be a man or a woman of God... Shut your mouth. Don't allow the devil to use you to bring discord and division into the body of Christ. That is the most powerful thing we can learn, and I think that's why he started that passage with that. Be quiet first. Now, that doesn't mean we don't, we're not friendly. You know, we don't want to come to church as a bunch of mutes. That would be a little boring. What he's telling us there is bridle this thing. Keep it under control. Be careful what you say. When you are with family members, sometimes you have to be careful, right? Some of us, unfortunately, have liberals in our families. <laughs> we get together for Christmas. We can have an all-out brawl all, all Christmas uh, time, or we can just bridle our tongue and have a good time as a family together, Right? I mean, we have to learn to do that. There's differences of opinions. There's people that have different lifestyles than we do. And we can go into Thanksgiving and decide, boy, I'm going to get old Joe. He's had it. I'm lining up. That joker, I'm going to tell him what, what to... And pretty soon, Thanksgiving devolves into a fight and the police are called and, you know, it, it's no longer a very good time. We learn to do that. We do that at work. We do that everywhere that we go. You go to, to work and start flapping your gums about everything you don't agree with pretty soon, you don't have to worry about that at work anymore because you're not there. You don't have a place to work anymore. Church is the same thing. We have people with different opinions, different thoughts, different philosophies, and we come together and we may not agree with everything somebody does or somebody says or somebody's viewpoints, but we come together as a family choosing to get along, choosing to come together. That's how we do that. We choose. And then he says, you reach out to people that are genuinely in need. You go out, if you want to serve God, if you want to be a man of God, you want to be a woman of God, you visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. You minister to those that are in need. And you live righteously. You live holy. If we can get those three things right there, keep our mouth bridled, Touch people, move to work, work uh, to, to, to benefit people that are in need, and be holy. We pretty well got this Christianity thing down pat. 
If we get those three things under control, we're okay. And then he says back there in the text, if you did it to one of them, you did it to me. That's a pretty cool thing. Now, what does that mean? I always I tend to refer to the police thing because I'm a cop. If I go out on here on the street and arrest one of you, I know it'll probably be Tanya. Um, <laughs> if I arrest one of you <laughs> and we end up going to court, when they introduce the, the case, are they going to say, this is the case of Officer Jim Hall against Tanya? No. What are they going to say? State of Washington against bad behaving Tanya. That's what it would be. <laughs> because I, as a police officer, stand in as a representative of the state. If you assault me when I'm on duty, you are assaulting the state. It is a, it is a, <laughs> and it, behave Tanya. <laughs> I started it now. <laughs> it is an assault on the state, not directly on me, because as a representative of the state. So an assault on a police officer, when you go to court it, they're going to tell you this is a, the state of Washington versus whoever committed that crime, because it's bigger than me. I'm just a guy in uniform. I'm just one little representative of a whole lot bigger picture. When we are children of God, we carry that representation of Jesus Christ. It is upon us. He is in us. He is guiding us. And he stands, he, he's basically saying, you mess with one of mine, you're messing with me. And on the other side of that, we have to realize when we're trying to minister to somebody who's not very nice, and they don't smell good, and they don't act right, and all that, we have to realize this thing is not about the flesh and blood that is standing in front of us. It is about the Almighty God that we serve, because when we do it for that person, we're really doing it for Him. And it's, that, it's so much bigger than us. And it's to the point, do you notice in that text, He actually puts our salvation in this thing. He says, those that do these things inherit heaven. Those who don't do these things will go to hell. <laughs> you think, wow, you mean I have to work my way in? No, it goes back to what I said a couple of weeks ago. When you start your car, it creates exhaust. You can get a bag and you can collect that exhaust, but you can do whatever you want with that exhaust, but you can't make a car with it. You can't create a car using the exhaust. Why? Because the exhaust is a result of an automobile operating. Works are a result of Christians operating within the realm of Christianity. When we are in working in obedience to God, we have works. And he's basically telling us, just like James tells us, that works, or faith without works, is what? Dead. It's dead. There's nothing there. It is, it is empty. It means nothing. So when we, <coughs> when we truly, honestly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, works are an automatic result of that. We can't get away from it. It's, ultimately, everything that we do is about Jesus Christ. You're not being saved by it. You are doing it because you're saved. The church has gotten used to, and this is a, this is a big point, 
The church in America has gotten used to the government doing their job. You ever thought about that? What did God call the church to do? Help the poor, help the widows, help the orphans, help those in need. That was the church's job. The government stepped in and said, let's start welfare. We will give out food stamps. And the church said, awesome. Now we can build gymnasiums and family life centers and all kinds of things like that. And the money that should have been going to minister to people has gone to building buildings. Back to that brick and mortar. Now you're going to say, well, you don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't care if they have a gymnasium. As long as they're reaching out to the people that are in need. That should be the priority. I, I, I told you before, I've been elected to a board in a church one time. In all my time of being in the church, I've been elected onto a board one time. Probably most of the reason is because I was either pastoring or associate pastor in most churches, so I didn't end up on board. But I got elected to this board. Very first meeting, the pastor started talking about spending $1,500 on this big steeple that we were going to get for the church. We've got to have this big steeple. And I was like, uh, I have a question. I said, we don't have a street ministry. We don't have a senior citizen ministry. We don't really have a youth ministry. We don't have a nursing home ministry. We have literally no ministry going out of this church whatsoever. So why are we spending money on a steeple? You know what the result was? I never got invited to another board meeting. Never did. I would drive by there and I would see all the board members' cars at the, at the church and I wasn't invited, didn't even know there was a meeting. That's the way it got handled. We have to get back to understanding that this thing is about people. It is about ministering to people. It's about the Lord God. And again, it's not about that person specifically. It's about the Lord God that we are ministering to through doing it for that person. The church has gotten so used to it. Just let, let the government do it. They're doing a great job. We can play now. We can have things. We can do things that we want to do. But here's been the consequence of it, in my humble opinion. People don't trust the church anymore. And that's a bad indictment. But you go out on the, into the public, and I think the general public in America tends to not trust the church anymore. They've seen corruption. They see these preachers taking people's money with greed and deception and con, these different cons that they have. They've watched preachers get in trouble and get arrested or have affairs, and they've seen it all, and they've seen it all. And another thing that I, I think they... That, that bothers them is that when the church does want to reach out, they always have strings attached. And I don't like strings attached to it. Yeah, we will give you something to eat, but you're going to have to sit through a sermon to get it. I don't know about you, but that would make me mad. And if I was hungry enough, I would eat the food and I would listen to the sermon, but I guarantee nothing would get, get in. Because I don't like strings, and I don't think they would like strings. People don't trust us anymore. As a consequence of that, I think we're being forced as a church to get back to a relational situation, not an institution. 
30 years ago, 40 years ago, you can go out and just street witness and people would get saved. It doesn't tend to happen a lot anymore. People are closed. They don't want to hear it. You're, you're, I've had enough of you. I've, I've listened to that stuff before. I've seen what you guys are about and I don't want any part of it. Because of that, we have to get into people's lives. We have to build trust in them. We have to get them to the point where they realize that we're not trying to get something from them. We've taken way too many special offerings. <laughs> Some of them got really angry at that. You know what it looks like? And I can tell you when I first got, uh, when I first went, got saved, one of the things that bugged me when I pulled into the church, and it's just like the Lord directed me to a church and I went, one of the things that bugged me is as I pulled up, the pastor's car sat there, a Lincoln Continental sitting in a pastor space only. Why did that bug me? I don't know, but it really bugged me. Why? Because it fed into that view that it's all about money and it's all about getting money. And I'm like, here sits a big, long Lincoln Continental while I'm driving my little Toyota Corolla and I have to walk clear across the parking lot because the pastor's got a space right up front. It bugged me. And I just think, you can say, well, that's silly. It might have been, but I'm just telling you how I felt when I pulled up to the church. And I doubt that I'm the only one. We have to... Build trust again so that they don't think we're just trying to bilk them out of something. You know, we're not trying to get... And then they come into the church, and what do they do so often? They try to get money out of them. Money. Let, let's take another offering, and another offering, and another offering. You know, I don't push the money thing, and God blesses. I... Uh, I would be terrible. I told you people that when you first wanted me to be pastor. I said, I'm not good with that stuff and I'm not doing it. I'm not going to go up there and beg for money all the time. I'm not going to do it. You know why? Because God's people are faithful. And I don't have to do that. And they have been faithful. So we're being forced back to a relational situation. If we're going to reach the people of I own meddling, meddling falls, it's going to be because we, as People Valley Ministries, build a relationship with them. They have to know we're not trying to get anything from them. We're not trying to con them. We're not trying to fool them. We are truly, genuinely concerned about them, and we're going to minister to them without asking anything else in return. <coughs> Sorry. One of the things that I told you a few weeks ago, and I've been really praying about, and i got a couple of feelers out that I'm working on here, is I want us as a church to begin to team up with the church in Israel. And I've got a couple of people that have, have told me that they've uh, got some um, contacts there that they're going to help me with. I'm also going to contact a church in North Carolina that does a lot of this. But I want us to uh, team up with a small church, a struggling church in Israel someplace, and help them build a ministry. Romans chapter 10 verse 1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seek to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone. I want us, and I, I believe that God will honor our attempts to bless Israel. God is not done with them. 
Romans makes it clear all the time. If anybody ever tells you about uh, replacement theology, tell them to go take a hike. The church has not replaced Israel. They are still God's chosen people. God still loved them, and He's not done with them. There will be revival in Israel, and it's already starting in some areas. God is moving among the Israelites. It is happening. So, that's one of the things I want to do. Another one, this is a big one. This one I think is going to be very effective, but it's going to, call, it's going to, be, it's going to be an effort on it with everybody. Is I want us to start having monthly dinners here at the church for the community. No strings attached. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to listen to a sermon. You don't have to do anything like that. I want us as Peaceful Valley Ministries to minister to our community. This is my thinking. Most of us here, most Christians, don't have an opportunity to get to know the average meth addict or an alcoholic because we don't run in the same circles. We don't know them. We would never get to know them. This may be an opportunity where we get to know people that we would never get to know before. So what I'm thinking is we have a dinner, people come, some of us are there, and we just go over and sit down and say, hey, I'm Jim. What's your name? Yeah, beautiful children. This is great. Good to see you. Where do you live? You know, how's things going? Do you need anything? Hold on, I'll, catch, uh, I'll get to this later. Just, just hold on a little bit. And so we can, my thought is, at that point, we can begin to build relationships with these people. We're not shoving anything down their throat. We're just showing that we're concerned. It won't happen the first month or maybe the second or third month, but at some point, there will start to be a relationship built. Well, they will realize they really aren't after anything from me. They just want to minister and from that god will give one of those i've been talking about divine appointments where we can share the gospel of jesus christ with them but we've got to get them to the point where they trust us where they realize that we are genuinely trying to touch help them i want to do this in conjunction i've already talked to mary lou and well i've talked to lee her representative and uh, <laughs> and and Peggy about the ladies' ministries being involved in this because they already do a um, a clothing drive every couple of well, a couple times a year where we do a clothing drive. I want to see that on a monthly basis at the dinners where we have a couple of tables. We have clothes there that are available. We have diapers. We have wipes. We have things that that single mothers need. Things that that will really genuinely help them. And, they have, and have those available for them during this dinner. Uh, I also want the men's ministry involved in this. I tried to call Jerry, but the guy wouldn't answer his phone. <laughs> and I don't have a number for Dell, so I, I, was, I was shot down. Um, but I want the men's ministries to get to know some of the uh, single ladies who need oil changes or need some wood brought in or whatever it may be some of the people that are in uh, infirm they they may be crippled whatever it is and it'll give us opportunity as the men to get our hands dirty and go out there and do some things to help these people this is something that uh, i just i've been praying about this is not about and let me clarify this is not about numbers I tell you all the time, I don't ever count. I have no idea how many people we have in church most of the time. If there's one of you, I'm going to preach to you. If there's a thousand of you, I'm going to preach to you. 
It's not about numbers. What is it about? Well, it's about helping people. No, it's about obedience to God. It's about obeying God first. And when we obey God, we minister to people. The perspective is very important. I remember years and years ago, I ordained in the Church of God, and we had one of our leaders talking about the growth of the church down through the decades. And he said something that just stuck to me and has always stuck with me down through the years. He said, every single decade since the church of God started, we have doubled in size. Every decade. And every single decade, our emphasis was on ministering to people. He said, in the 1980s, we set a a goal at the beginning of the 1980s that we were going to double in size. He says that was the first decade since the church was established that we did not double in size. There was a great lesson there. Because this thing is not about numbers. It's not about getting more people. It's not about taking somebody away from another church. It's not about beating out other churches and and being better. It's none of that. It is about Peaceful Valley Ministries ministering to this community in obedience to Almighty God. That's what it's about. Uh, another thing that's kind of a whimsical thing that I'm just going to throw out there, um, whether it ever happens or not, I don't know. But I've had lots and lots of people, and my wife has and, and different ones, have talked to us about, we sure wish we were in Ione because there's nothing over here in Colville. So we're actually thinking about the possibility of simulcasting the services from here to Colville. You get some kind of a facility there and do a simulcast of the services here. I don't even know how hard that would be, or whether it would be possible, or whether there's really enough interest, because you know people just talk. So I'll have to investigate that more. But I'm just throwing that out there. But these are the things that God has laid on my heart, 